0: Hello, and welcome to the You and Me Homestead podcast. My name is Delaney Drake. This podcast is about how our family turned our unused pastureland into a homestead and sheep dairy. Each episode will discuss an aspect of homesteading or dairy farming that we are tackling that week, what we've learned, challenges and wins, and how we will be moving forward from that point on. In today's podcast, I am going to talk about what a homestead is what homesteading means for our family personally what we plan on producing and growing as well as some of our personal values and what we're really going to try to do on our farm that stays as close to our core beliefs as as possible so first and foremost what is a homestead a homestead is a lifestyle that is committed to self-sufficiency now this means a variety of different things and ranges from not using money in any form whatsoever to the suburban aspect of it, meaning you have a little small area in your backyard and you are trying to produce as much as you possibly can to support your family. Because homesteading is a wide range of meanings and it means something different for every single person, I thought the easiest way to kind of explain all the different varieties of homesteading is to kind of categorize some of the ones that I've noticed in my research so that people can kind of have a, an understanding of where people are coming from and, and just how how different a homestead could be from one family to the other. So one of the groups that I would call hardcore homesteaders, and these are the people who are going at it, Full force, this is a lifestyle that do not want to rely on anyone else for their basic needs. These are people who are usually off the grid. They don't use electricity. They don't usually use money. They like to barter for things. They will exchange their goods for goods that they need, but they don't use money. It's an exchange lifestyle. These people I have a huge respect for because it is not easy. It is a, it, it is a lifestyle where you are putting a lot of physical labor into it and, and also giving up some, some things that modern audiences would think are necessities instead of luxuries. These people choose to live this life as a way to connect more with the land and to honor what the land produces and to use every single piece of what they have in the most proficient and productive way as possible. So those are the hardcore homesteaders. The step, I guess, below that, I would call the the modern homesteader. These are people who do... A little bit of the self-sufficiency, you know, growing livestock for their own food, growing a garden so that they can produce a lot of what they need to eat. If you have livestock that's growing your own wool with the sheep, using the wool and actually sewing and making the yarn and really using every single piece of the garden and the animal as you can. However, the modern homesteader also will use money to buy extra things that they need. They will go to the grocery store and buy things that are missing that they don't have. These people try to go as self-sufficient as they possibly can without completely removing themselves from technology and from some of the luxuries that we currently have. You also have what are called suburban or urban homesteaders. These are people who usually don't have as much property or land, but they do try to be as self-sufficient as they can. These are a little different than the modern homesteaders. Modern homesteaders usually will have a few acres. They have a little bit more land to work with, whereas suburban and urban homesteaders, their land and their property is a little smaller, so they, they really use every single inch of what they have for self-sufficiency and to help them supplement some of what they need. You also have what I would call dabblers. These are people who, who do a little bit of gardening or raising their own livestock. A lot of times you'll see people who do chickens who will supply their own eggs. These are people who are kind of touching on the homesteading where they want to supply one or two items but not enough to really supplement or replace their regular food. If you've ever been to England or the UK, they call their homesteaders small holdings, and it's a very similar concept. It's just they use a different term. The biggest thing about all of these little groups that I've noticed is that they are all trying to be self-sufficient and to live off the land and off of the animals that they raised as best as they possibly can. It doesn't really matter what scale that you are doing the homestead. It really just matters that the homesteaders are making an effort to not have to rely on other people for their food. Now, one of the things that I also wanted to talk about was the difference between a homestead, a ranch, and a farm. When I was talking with my husband, I was trying to decide, you know, what exactly would our property and where our dreams would like to go, what is that going to look like? Would we call our land and our home? Would it be a homestead? Would it be a ranch? Would it be a farm? You know, what what would that be? And so we really, really looked into what each of those categories mean. For the research that we've done, we found that the homesteading is, like I said, self-sufficient and living off the land, but it's not necessarily trying to use what they grow to make money. That's not saying that they can't or that they don't, but a lot of times what they produce, they want to make enough to support their family, and any excess is what they sell or what they give away. They don't necessarily go into it planting extra or raising extra animals to sell, their main focus is to support their own family. This is a little different from a farm where a farm is trying to generate money by selling either the livestock and or the produce from the land. Farming is basically you are trying to make a profit. You are trying to grow an excess amount of what you need in order to sell. And a lot of times for a farm, that can be a mixture of livestock and crops. A lot of times that's kind of where the farm definition comes from. That's different than what we would call a ranch. A ranch is usually larger property, a lot more acres, and their main product is livestock. Their main focus is on the livestock and the animals. And so as we were trying to discuss where we fell in this, we decided that we actually hover between the homestead, the modern homestead, and the farm. We are planning to support our family's needs first and foremost, but then we also are planning with the sheep to produce an excess amount in order to get an excess amount and make it into a business. The reason I would say we are not ranchers is because our main focus, while it will be on sheep, we are focusing also on growing our own food and having a garden, which is to support our family's needs. So, so we kind of hover between homestead and farm, I feel. We feel comfortable in saying that we're a homestead and a sheep dairy farm. Now, all that being said, now that we kind of established where we stand in the whole homestead farming community, we are thinking about the things that we are going to produce. And there are some things we are absolutely going to produce. And then there's a few things that are either no or at least not yet. God is funny when you say, I'm never going to do this. He, I think, takes that as a challenge and thinks it'd be funny if he threw life at you and you ended up doing the one thing you said you weren't going to do. So we're not going to say we're never going to do some products, but it's very unlikely that we will, or it's, it's a little more complicated and we're pushing that to the eventually this would be nice category, but not an absolute necessity. One of the things I will preface this with is that in the previous episode I explained that I have some food sensitivities, which means there's a lot of food that I actually can't eat. And so when the planting and the garden section of the we will not be planting, a lot of it has to do with the fact that I can't eat it. Now that is also to say that my husband and I are very picky and so even though I can't eat some things, a lot of times my husband doesn't like them anyway, and so there's no point in growing them. And so take what we're producing and what we choose not to produce as a this is kind of a personal preference and for health reasons versus we just don't like these products. So let's talk about what we will be producing. So what we would like to produce in the animal livestock section is we are planning to do sheep we want to do sheep's milk we are not quite at the point where we would be doing sheep's milk soap or cheese i've never done either and so that kind of makes me nervous i see us maybe doing that down the line but for right now we're going to focus on just the milk itself i would love to be able to use the sheep's milk to make sheep's milk ice cream. That's kind of the ultimate goal for for the sheep. But we will be also doing some wool because we will need to shear them. When it comes to dairy sheep, a lot of times their wool is not the best quality. And it really depends on, on what kind of breed you got and their genetics. But for the most part, a lot of times, sheep that are bought for dairy purposes Their wool is not great. So, we're not really planning to do sheep's wool yet. It's not to say that we can't. I've seen people use their wool for the dryer balls. And so, it's not a never. It's just that's not our main focus. And obviously, we still will need to be cutting them. But for right now, we don't have a a plan to use the wool. We will be also doing sheep's meat. When it comes to sheep dairy, you will be producing a lot of lambs. We are planning to use the animals that we won't be using for the dairy for meat. We will probably be producing more than we can eat as a whole family, so it'll either be given to friends or family, or we will be selling off the excess. And like I said also in the intro episode that my husband wants to do cow, we will mostly be doing cows for meat. We don't plan to do a dairy cow because I can't do the milk and it's just so readily available at the grocery store there just doesn't seem to be a need. And we do currently have chickens. We will have chickens for eggs and once they stop producing we do plan to use them for food as well. And since we're already on the livestock talk, here are a few livestock that we're choosing not to do. We are not planning to do pigs just from the research we've looked at we just aren't as interested in the pig and there is actually a lot of the pig that i can't do it really depends on how the meat is cured and how it's how it's made so if we produced it ourselves i it could be that we can manage to to preserve it and make it the way that i need it to be made But for right now, we're just planning not to do pigs because we have the focus on the sheep. In addition to not doing cow dairy for milk, we're also not planning to do goat. I can't do goat's milk, and my husband would prefer cow's milk, I think. He hasn't had a ton of sheep's milk, so it could be he prefers sheep's milk. We don't know. But if he had a choice between cow's milk and goat's milk, he would probably choose cow. Another product that we won't be producing is bees. (laughs) Bees and honey. My husband is deathly afraid of bees. Not allergic, just afraid. (laughs) He's had a few really bad experiences with bees that has turned him off of just wanting bees at all. I would actually love to have bees. I think they're really cool and I think it's It's one of those skills that seems really complicated, and I would love to take that on as a challenge eventually. So maybe I can wear him down and we can do bees. But for right now, we're not doing bees. The other thing that kind of makes me hesitate towards getting beehives is the fact that I've heard one bad thing, like someone sprays something in the area, could totally wipe out your bee population. And a lot of times, they die off anyway. And so... There's just so many little things that could immediately wipe out your bees that it makes me also kind of nervous financially to be able to produce that and make sure that you can use them as long as possible. So it's not a no, but it's, it's definitely a not right now. So when it comes to our garden, there is quite a lot that I want to do that I can't probably do right away. I will probably have to pick a few things and kind of build up from there. I haven't really solidified which of those things I want to do yet, but here are the we will probably be producing eventually and probably within the next two or three years. I would love to do corn. Corn is one that my husband doesn't seem super interested in, but I, I love corn and I think it would be really fun to at least have a few stalks, even if it's not a, a, grand, a grand patch. We do plan to do spinach and bell peppers, sweet potato, onions garlic I would love to do strawberries and watermelon we do want to do pumpkins I would love to be able to grow pumpkins for fall next year so that we have we can carve our own pumpkins I did save a few seeds from this year from the girardale pumpkins you can see that on my instagram I I saved a few of those seeds a lot of them and so I would love to see if I can actually save some seeds and be able to replant them. That's kind of a challenge that I'm taking on. I've saved them, and now I want to see if I can grow them. The Girodales aren't really the carving pumpkins. Not that you can't carve them. They're just not what you normally carve with. But I think, you know, if we got a decent size one and was able to grow one that's pretty big, I think we could we could carve it, and I think that would be really fun. We want a cherry tree, some peach and pears. Those are some of the trees that I think both our our daughter and my husband would really like. I don't love cherries, peaches, or pears. I love the flavor. I don't love the actual fruit. So those would be mostly for them. But I I think I could probably grow to like it if I I harvested them myself. What I would love to do tree-wise, fruit tree-wise, is an apple tree. I was dead set on having an apple tree, but then we talked to some of the gardeners in our area and I guess there's actually this fungus that attaches to apple trees that's pretty nasty. And so you would have to spray the tree at a certain point of its growth so that the fungus doesn't attach to the tree. and financially we just don't know if we can do that right now and it it seems like it's it's something that only happens in middle Tennessee it's sort of unfortunate that the location that we're at is kind of the thing that's going to kind of prevent maybe having apple trees but on the plus side my family who's currently in California is moving to Kentucky and on their property they have some apple trees so there's there's a part of me that Even if we can't grow it on our land ourselves, I still love the idea of being able to visit my family and to be able to harvest some apples from from their property. A few of the other things we'd like to do are raspberries and blackberries. I haven't done too much research on blueberries, but we do like blueberries, so that's an option too. A few of the herbs that I would love to grow is mint, rosemary, thyme, basil, Tabrica. I'd love to do lavender and also fenugreek. Uh, A lot of people don't know what that is, but after I'd given birth, I was having a hard time producing enough milk for the baby. And so one of the things that they had me take are little capsules of fenugreek as along with a bunch of other herbs. And I would love to be able to produce something to help with milk production for the future babies so that we wouldn't have to spend so much on teas and capsules and pills that are basically giving the same thing. That is something I need to do a little bit more research on, but it's something that I think would be a lot of fun. And from the research that I have done on fenugreek, it seems like it's a very small growth period. So It's, I think, like four to six weeks. Like, it's really short. And so it's very possible. It just, I'll have to see how you can actually harvest it and use it for medicinal purposes. Another thing that I would love to do, although it seems very intense and it, I think, would require a greenhouse, which we don't have yet, is vanilla beans. I am a vanilla girl. Anything that smells like vanilla is my jam. (laughs) Candles body soaps. I mean, I will just open a bottle of vanilla bean and just smell it. I'll actually sometimes take vanilla extract and and put it behind my ears or on my wrist just so that I can have the smell throughout the day. Um, That might be too much information for you guys, but I just, I love it so much. It reminds me of cookies and calm and uh, it's just my favorite thing of all time. And so vanilla beans, I would love to do. From what I've researched so far is it takes about two to six years, I think. It's a crazy long growth period for, for them to be viable. And you know, like I said, it would need a greenhouse, which we don't have. And so definitely going to look into that more. But that's that's probably in the category of would love to do eventually, but we'll see what happens. Another one of those it would I would love to try to do, but probably not immediately because it seems a little bit more complicated, is to grow mushrooms. I have seen people put in little capsules, I guess. They're called something else, but you put them into logs and then you just leave them out in your backyard and they grow mushrooms into like the little logs that you put them in. And so... It doesn't seem complicated in that aspect except for the fact that there is a possibility cuz you're leaving them out in nature that what you're growing is not the kind of mushroom that you need to be growing. I I'm a little confused on that aspect, but I think what it, they mean is that there's there's other mushrooms that can kind of attach to the log that could potentially not be edible. And so for that that makes me a little nervous in just the fact that I don't really know what the varieties of mushroom are and I would hate to eat one that made people sick. So so mushrooms are on my, I would love to learn how to do eventually and maybe even a challenge that even if we don't continually do it, it's something that I would love to do. But it probably wouldn't be for a few years until I can really understand the garden and the livestock. Those are kind of the priority right now. So a few of the things that I won't be growing in the garden, this again has mostly to do with a combination of food sensitivities, things I can not eat, as well as things that my husband just isn't a fan of. We won't be doing any form of tomatoes. Now I personally love cherry tomatoes. They were one of the things that I, I really, really enjoyed eating. However, when I found out my food sensitivities, I found out I can't really do tomatoes in any form. It's it's one of those, I can eat a little bit of it, a small amount. It won't destroy my stomach, but it will be a little bit uncomfortable. And my husband hates tomatoes. He will not touch them. He likes ketchup, but he won't eat tomatoes. And so between the two of us, I, there is no point in growing tomatoes. Our little one... I bought cherry tomatoes a few weeks ago and tried to get her to eat it, and she was not having it. So if two out of the three people don't like it and the one person who actually does can't eat it, there's just no point in us growing it. Another one that my husband would love to grow that is sort of in the maybe category are actual potatoes. We are doing sweet potatoes, but I personally can't eat actual potatoes. The the starch I think in them is what what affects me. And so if we end up having a larger family and the majority of people do like potatoes and want to have them, I wouldn't be opposed to growing them for other people, but for right now since they're so easy to buy at the grocery store and we don't have that large of a family right now, so so it just doesn't make sense to grow a ton of potatoes that only two out of the three of us is going to eat. It just makes it more sense to go get it at the grocery store than putting all the time and effort into growing it in our in our garden. But we are doing sweet potatoes because I love them. A few other things that we won't be growing, I can't do beans or legumes. Those are two that I my stomach just can't handle. And so, again, if there's one or two that my kids or my husband really like, I'm not opposed to growing them. But for right now... My husband's perfectly okay with buying them at the store and he doesn't even eat them very much anymore because I can't and so he just doesn't naturally go towards those things to eat and he doesn't really like peas anyway. Um, he's very picky. I'm picky too, but he's he's worse. <laughs> yeah so between him not liking them and just not naturally going towards them to eat, it just doesn't make any sense. The other thing that, we may or may not be growing, and this is more to do with the livestock, is I can't do grains. I can't do wheat or grain. The only grain that I can do are corn, and I might be able to do buckwheat. The jury's still out on that one. I can't really tell, because I haven't really focused on it specifically. But aside from those two, I can't do any of the other ones. So those Aside from maybe throwing a few seeds out into the field because the livestock love them and it's really beneficial for them, then we probably won't be doing those for our, our home use. Just because again, those things are just so readily available at the grocery store. It just doesn't make sense for us to to put all that time and effort when not all three of us can eat it. So some of the things that I would probably grow more out in the field than in our garden. My wonderful sister sent me a list of herbs that you can grow in your fields that actually help either increase milk production in your sheep or decrease it, as well as some other plants you can grow that are just beneficial for them. She sent me the whole list and I will talk a little bit more about that probably later, but for right now some of the things that really caught my eye were the the plants that are supposed to help with milk production. And so for that, what, what I've read is that you can do dill, fennel, and parsley. Those are supposed to be ones that really help make milk production better. And then there's also raspberries. I would like to do raspberries for our garden, but we can also do it out in the field, and that's supposed to help with pregnancy and birth. So this gets a little complicated, and even I need to do more research on this, but from what I've been told, you can actually plant certain things within your larger pasture in certain sections and so whenever you need something from your animals you can kind of sequester them to that particular area, they'll eat that herb that they need and it helps with whatever process they're at. So let's say you have your sheep and you want them for to produce milk. Well, you can put them in your pasture area that has the dill, the fennel, and the parsley that are supposed to help with milk production. But when you're working on weaning, you can also put them in a different section that you've grown herbs that are hel- supposed to help dry up your your lambs. So the, the herb that you would use for the decreasing milk production would be mint. So if you're ready to wean them off and to to kind of dry them up, you can go put them in the mint section and that would help dry them up. Raspberries are for pregnancy and birthing. So when they're at the point where they're pregnant and they are right about to give birth, you can kind of sequester them in the area that has the raspberries and they will eat that and that will help with that. Uh, One thing that might be spread out throughout or at least mostly through the milk production part of the year, is rosemary. Rosemary is actually supposed to produce a very nice flavor for the milk. Again, I don't know too much. It's, it's one of those trial and error. The next few years, it's going to basically be trying to figure out all this stuff. It would be really interesting to do two use in maybe the area that has the rosemary and then two use that don't and see kind of the difference between the flavors and, you know, if you like one more than the other. Now, this was fascinating to me when I heard about it, and so it's definitely something we want to go forward and learn more about. So I think I got most of the products that we are going to be producing as well as some of the ones that were not if there's any that I forgot or that I missed, I will definitely let you guys know. I can put it either on Instagram or again, we are launching our Patreon account in January. Again, it's You and Me Homestead. So you guys can follow us and we will be talking a little bit more about the specific details and you can visually see us as our journey goes. A few of the things that I also wanted to talk about in this episode were some of the core values that our farm is going to be focusing on. One of the things that we are very set on is no debt. I haven't mentioned this before, but my husband works for Dave Ramsey for Ramsey Solutions. They are a group that focuses on helping people get out of debt and stay out of debt and so our current journey is that we're very close to being completely out of debt aside from our house, and we want to keep it that way. Not only because he works there, but because we truly believe that the values at the Ramsey Company is right, and it'll help our farm in the long run if we take things slow and choose not to go into debt. There will probably be a a future episode that details a little bit more about the Ramsey process but their their belief is to be really smart about your money now to live like no one else today so that in the future you can live and give like no one else and so their core value is to be smart about your money so that you can eventually have enough to be able to give it away and to give back to your community and to your brothers and sisters in Christ. So we definitely want to be smart about our farm and our finances so that in the future, when we are successful, we can give back all the blessings that God has given us to others. So on top of the, the no debt and being smart about our money, one of our core values is that we are a produce centric farm, which I don't know if that's a real term. That's a term I came up with. But it's basically if you are on our land and our property, sheep wise or livestock wise, if you are no longer producing, then you got to go. And I know that this can cause some issues with some people because, you know, every life is valuable and we will care about our animals in absolutely the best way possible. But we are focused on products and producing. And we just can't afford to keep animals that aren't providing something back to the farm. So if a chicken stops producing eggs then we can't afford to keep them. It, it makes the most logical sense financially, and we just don't believe that resources should be gone to waste. So that's why we are a produce-centric farm. We also believe that we are going to do everything on our land, on the soil and the fields, to make the land itself as productive as possible so that it can it can take care of the animals and the garden. One of the things and this is a lot more my husband's area than mine, he's been doing a lot more research on this particular aspect, but he's he's looking into how do we take the the soil and the land that we have and making it better. And so that is one of the things that we want to focus on as well is we want the soil and the ground to be as as lush and as as healthy as it possibly can in order for it to create healthier and happier animals so as well as being produce centric farm and really focusing on making the land healthy and being and not having any debt We are planning to start small and get bigger. We don't have the finances to start a a large company, a large production line. We are doing what we can to, to get all the necessary permits and just making sure that we're talking to the government and our county extension office in order to make sure that we start with a great foundation, even if we have to start small and and slowly, in order to grow into something great. This is something that is very biblical, and that is to have a very strong foundation in order to grow something that will not be destroyed and will not crumble. The immediate Bible parable that comes to mind is building the house on the rock. And if most people don't know what that parable is, it's called the parable of the wise and the foolish builders. It's also known as the house on the rock. And it's basically talking about building your house on a rock, on a solid foundation versus building your house on sand that's just going to wash away and destroy everything that you build on top of it. And so we definitely want to make sure that our foundation is as solid as possible in order for our house that we build on it to be strong and durable. So one of the other things that I have not mentioned is a core value of our farm is that we are family first. The reason that I want to do this farm and to do the homestead is in order to be home with my kids and as well as to give my husband the dream that he always wanted. He always wanted to be a rancher which wasn't possible and so we're kind of adjusting his his grander dream into something that is for all of us. And so I would love to be able to do that for him as well as creating just a fun lifestyle for our kids. Kids love farms, they love animals. My daughter is such a helper around the farm. We just cleaned out our chicken coop this morning. And she was out there helping spread the wood chips. And she loved it so much that when we we told her we were done and we had to go inside, she started to cry because she wanted to just play with the wood chips. And so we are definitely, any, any decision we make moving forward is going to be focused on what is best for our family. Family and God, I feel, are strengths that you can build anything on top of that. And your house won't crumble. I will end this episode on that note. Just talking about a strong foundation so that the future can be bright and strong and wonderful. Just wanted to remind everybody if you guys wanted to follow us visually, you can follow me on Instagram at You and Me Creamery. The spelling of you is E W E, You and Me Creamery. And we are also planning to launch a Patreon at the end of January. My birthday is the 25th, and so that's kind of my goal for when we launch our Patreon. The Patreon will be You and Me Homestead, like the podcast. If you guys want to follow us on either of those, Instagram will be giving out notifications on when we will be posting Patreon, so that's probably the best one to follow me on. And I'm just so excited to have you guys along with us on this journey. It's going to be great. Thank you guys so much for joining me and God bless.